Yeah. I like the in Boston, I think. You know when teams like lose in the finals and they come back like even hungrier? Yeah. Boston's got a lot of that. And I think yeah, they, like, they they started the year off like that. And then I I think it finally dawned on them that it's like unsustainable to keep going. So you sort of just chill yeah. out and then like once the playoffs come back, like a lot of their guys are veteran enough that they have like the ability to just turn it on, right? Did you pick them? To get to the finals, yeah. To win. Oh no, I have Denver win. Of course you oh, do. What's going on everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line. Man, I, I just hope this guy has like a big big ass TV, a nice projector set up in the dog pound. Josh Cohen, how you doing? I do, you know it. That's where we watch the Raptors win the championship. It was good times, even though you know, the last few seconds of the game took like an hour, if you remember that. We are all celebrating. We're like, is the game over? And then, you know, an hour later, it was. Yeah, the refs tried to do that yesterday, too. I forget what game it was, but the game was over. I think it was the Phoenix game. I think it was, yeah. 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 Man, my God. The banger in the paint, our residential medical expert. How you feeling, Rajon Walia? You know what? I, I don't think Josh has left that basement since the Raptors have won back in 2019. <laughs> I hope yeah. you have a bathroom in there, Josh. And now the Raptors are in the basement. Are we just going to jump right into it? No warm-up, <laughs> no, no, no consolation. No, no, nobody's talking about the stupid Raptors today, man. We're in the playoffs, <laughs> baby. You know, remember when the, the NBA used to like really advertise that the playoffs were on all day for the weekend? Like, at Saturday, you're starting at noon. Sunday, you're starting at noon. You're going back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. Like, it was a full day of ball. It was like Christmas Day, except on two days. And now it's just like, eh, whatever. There's a lot of missable games. Nobody's going to watch Boston-Atlanta. I'm sure a lot of people actually missed Miami-Milwaukee, even though Milwaukee, uh, Miami upset Milwaukee in the first game. You know what I mean? Like, remember when that was hype? I mean, that's the NBC days, right? Like back in the late 90s, early 2000s with music and everything, getting you pumped to watch the games. But yeah, I mean, they started with uh, the Atlanta, Boston and Philadelphia Brooklyn series on Saturday. Don't you want to start off with a bang? They should have had the Lakers game start off the weekend and then probably had like another Western Conference game after that, then put the Eastern Conference team in and then put the other Eastern Conference games on Sunday. You know why LeBron was on Sunday, or the Lakers were on Sunday? Got to give LeBron more time to rest. Like yeah. that one yesterday, I guarantee it. That's why they have the longest uh, They have a longer break between their game one and game two as well. Ruby has to wait until Wednesday to light their ass up. Raj he can't just do it immediately while he's hey, still hot. I, I'm I'm ready to dedicate this pod to Rui, and I, I'm here to hear Josh's apologies. Um... Hey, for, he's for the, the one game the he's Lakers. played well this year. Hey, when it counts, right? <laughs> like, uh, w- would you want a player to show up and put up empty stats, or would you want a player to show up when it matters? Like, what? It's his first playoff game, and he puts up what? I think it was thirty points. Twenty nine. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> even even better, he waited until the playoffs started rather than wasting his or blowing his load in the play in. I mean, do be smart. He's, he's all about the finals, man. All about the finals. He's the new Robert Ori. <laughs> well, right? I don't know about all this, but uh, yeah, yeah, sure. 
Yeah, all, all I'm going to say, I don't know if we're starting with the Lakers, if we're starting with Philadelphia. Peter, I need some direction here, but hey, I, not, I know that we are we're not, not talking starting the with the Philadelphia 76ers. We're not okay. starting with the most boring team to watch in the playoffs, other than Atlanta. Second boringest team to watch. Uh, no, no, let's let's continue on with this Lakers-Grizzlies talk, because the Lakers, I mean, even going into the series, I think uh, they were... A slight favorite. No, in they were Vegas, weren't. right? No, no. Mavis is a slight favorite, but it was very close. Okay. It was almost like a pick'em series. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, nonetheless, game one passes by. The Lakers obviously win. Uh, we have apparently an Austin Reeves, just a miracle game, or apparently just a regular game for Austin Reeves these days. And uh, an almost Anthony Davis injury scare has a little stinger, but you know, works it right out. And an actual injury scare with John Morant going down with uh, what seems to be a, a, a wrist or a hand injury. Dude basically tried to poster Anthony Davis, didn't work, got a charge called on him, and fell on his wrist. I mean, Raj, it's, it's not looking great for Ja coming up on Game 2. They, I, think, I think they said he's already unlikely to play. Yeah, like again, I, I don't know any official report that came out today, um, so... Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it was on his right wrist as well, and that's a shooting hand. He also had cut his hand earlier that game or earlier, um, so there's a few factors that are at play. Uh, but uh, again, John Morant, he obviously missed some games at the end of the season, not like right at the end, but um, in the last 20 games, he's missed a few, and they were gearing him up for the playoffs, and a bit of a freak injury. Uh he plays very aggressive, and he puts his body in a lot of, um, I would say, vulnerable positions. And uh, he just got unlucky, couldn't break his fall, and they're going to need John Morant. Like, this Grizzlies team, with their current injuries, is nowhere deep enough to to contend with the Lakers or any other team in the West without Jaw. And if John's ends up missing Game 2 and they, they lose on home court, they're down 2-0 having to win four out of the next five games and three of those games are going to be on the road. Um, it, it, it does not look good for the Grizzlies. Um, not because they lost, but mainly because Jaw again, doesn't look like he's going to come back. And if he does, um, probably won't play the same. And it always takes a few time, a few games or at least a few minutes, a few quarters uh, to get back into the swing of things. And the Grizzlies don't have that chance to afford that. The only saving grace is, besides Rui and Austin Reeves, the Lakers were okay. Like, they weren't horrible, but they were okay. If they have another okay game, you don't expect players like Reeves and Rui to put up that volume or that consistency of stats in the next game. But I'm sure LeBron's going to have a good game. You never know, Ant, like, uh, Anthony Davis might put up, not Ant, but Anthony Davis might put up another... 30-point game with 15 rebounds, it's entirely possible. So, I don't know. If I'm putting any money on this series now, it has to be the Lakers, and it looks like it's going to be Lakers in five, probably. Might be in four. I mean, if Jaw doesn't play, I mean, the, the Grizzlies are down, what, four players now? So, and they don't have a lot of guys off the bench to supplement that, right? I mean, they have a bunch of rookies that are playing now off the bench with, you know, Roddy. Probably going to play LaRavia next game, too. And, uh, yeah, it's not looking great for the Grizzlies right now. 
But, um, you know, they've done in the past where they have Tyus Jones come in. They play more of a defensive type of game. But, again, like, the thing that pisses me off the most about the Grizzlies is Dylan Brooks. I, I just <laughs> cannot stand the way that he plays. On, like, man. the Grizzlies are in such a good rhythm in the first half. And then he comes down with, like, 20 on the shot clock, takes a pull-up three. He took, like, four of those that game. And, and they still allow it to happen. I don't understand. It's the playoffs now. And I love Coach Jenkins, but you still allow this to happen in a playoff game. In the regular season, maybe. I mean, have us develop over time, so maybe that's not a good idea to allow it to happen in the regular season. Maybe that's why it's happening now. But they need to get him off the team next year once they're healthy. And if they are able to upgrade from him, then you have a real opportunity here because Jaron Jackson Jr. showed in the last game and over the course of the season that he is him. And, and speaking of that, where the fuck did that start? Why is this a thing? I, I hate this well, this whole generation now. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. We just went from bad-mouthing Dylan Brooks to bad-mouthing all of the internet, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Where did that start? I don't get it. <laughs> it's been a thing. Since when? Get on TikTok, it, Josh. No, yeah. I refuse. I will not have I will not have uh, the Chinese government, you know, looking in on everything I'm doing. Okay. Yeah, well, come on, man. <laughs> what are you doing, Josh? Though. What uh, you are want, you doing? I don't want them to know, and I don't want you to know. Okay. All right. <laughs> what, what stays in your basement will forever stay in your basement. That's right. Dog pound, baby. Yeah. But uh, just going back to Dylan Brooks, uh, I think another thing is. He needs to know his role on the team, and his offensive production should be like Tony Allen's. Very minimal. Maybe has a few moments in a game where he makes a good cut, he gets a fast break, um, like good offensive rebound. The offense should not run through Dylan Brooks. Like, not even should. It, it should never really go through him. It shouldn't be set plays for Dylan Brooks. And I think the one benefit the Grizzlies have, and I think especially if Jaw doesn't play game two or game three, is they should just look at this series to make sure that, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. gets as many touches, as much experience as he can. Because this is the key benefit for them if Jaw is out. Like, they, they're not going to go very far. They're not going to beat this Lakers team if Jaw is out. So... The next best thing is put the ball in your second best player's hands and let him develop. No, we're all just are we all just writing off the the Grizzlies at this point? I, I never liked the Grizzlies to begin with in this series, so I'm off the train. I, I never was on it, and and I like the Grizzlies as like like I got the color here right, but I, I left the logo off because uh, Dylan Brooks is an embarrassment and Jaw just plays a little reckless. I would have to say that for sure. I did pick the Grizzlies in the series, and they honestly could have won that game if Ja was healthy. And then we'd be talking about this, you know, totally differently, obviously, if he was healthy and they actually were able to pull it out. Because the most interesting thing about that game, to me, I like besides what I've mentioned so far, I mean, Dylan Brooks is not interesting, obviously. So Jaron Jackson Jr. just going to work against LeBron every single time that he got the ball against him was the most interesting mm-hmm. thing to me in that game. And how he just bullied him. And his footwork is like top-notch now. Like he's He looks like one of the best post players in the NBA based on what he's shown us over the course Definitely. of the season. And you know what he did in that game, obviously. 
So him staying out of foul trouble is huge, obviously, but uh, he's he's a much improved player this year, just overall with his um, driving game in the basket, his low post game, his three-point shooting is good still too. Like he's the type of guy that he's one of the only guys in the league that can consistently score on guys like even against Draymond earlier in the season, he was scoring against him too in the post. So he's he's shown a lot of stuff this year, and if he continues that, he's going to be known as one of the best big men in the NBA. And it was Yo, good to does. see them s- still competing when John went out. Like they they kept it close until the Lakers had that like what nine zero run, I think, to close out the game. I think it was bigger. I think it was like a fifteen zero run or something stupid. Something like that. Like it was that, definitely yeah. double digits. Um, sorry. Uh, shout outs to to Jaron Jackson Jr. for Defensive Player of the Year tonight. Oh wow! Officially, congratulations! Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, I mean, there's nothing else to really say here. Oh, there the is. Are there is. We missed one guy, Austin Reeves. We got to talk about him too. <laughs> you mean the guy who did, who LeBron is deferring to down the clutch? The closer. Well, LeBron knew this. The psychic knew that he was going to be a player after the first practice. Probably knew he was going to put up what twenty some points in uh Game one on the road, he just knew it. LeBron knows all. I mean, I don't doubt that. Not one second. LeBron probably knows about this call happening, too. Maybe LeBron's in cahoots with China. (laughs) He probably knows everything. But, uh, yeah, no, Austin Reeves, again, uh, he was getting to his spots. It wasn't like he was, like, they weren't defending him. It wasn't like he was left open and had to make some threes or some jump shots. Like, he was getting to his spots and taking them. And um, he looked comfortable with the ball. Uh, he looked comfortable, like, passing late in shot clock. Uh, and, again, he's proving himself to be a, a good piece on this team. And uh, it's funny because I think the question is, Taylor, Tuck- Taylor Horton Tucker who? Like, that that's what Lakers fans are probably asking. Like, THT... Like, who is that guy? Yeah, I mean, I don't say this lightly, but he's looked a lot like Ginobili in the last half of the season. Like, he's been the most efficient Whoa. guard in the NBA over the course of the last three months, I believe. I think his true shooting percentage is at, like, 68%. And for reference, like, Steph is at, like, 64 I think, right now. So, Austin Reeves, he gets to the line like a madman. He's really good in the pick and roll. And when you have Anthony Davis as a role man, it's it's a lot easier to you know do what you got, do what you got to do out there, obviously. So it makes me wonder if he actually moved to another team, if he's able to do the same sort of things as what he's doing right now. But he's shown a lot over the course of the last second, you know, the last half of the season, really. And he's been the biggest benefactor of Russell Westbrook getting traded, and you know, um, Coach Darvin Ham making the decision not to start um, Malik Beasley anymore. And, you know, when I saw that originally, I'm like, did they have enough shooting in their starting lineup? And he's just shown it doesn't really matter. I mean, he doesn't take a lot of threes, but he's super efficient off the dribble and his pull-up shot is money. So he's been really good. Yeah, Malik Beasley is also, like, one of the streakiest shooters in the league. So if he's not feeling it, you can bench that dude anytime. And I would gladly take, what did Reeves have? Reeves had 23 and 4 yesterday on 8 of 13 shooting. 3 of 5 from the 3, 4 of 4 from the line. And again, excellent chemistry with AD, with LeBron. And he plays defense. I was a doubter. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was like another uh, creation of, you know, the Laker narrative. But 
Reeves is a legit player. He has no THT, that's for damn sure. And and lastly, I think the other thing that we haven't talked about yet is LeBron looked like a role player in that game. So that's the one thing mm-hmm. that sort of, um, if I'm a Lakers fan, worries me. Maybe not in this round, potentially. I think they still have a shot of losing the series um, if Memphis gets right. Um, but yeah, like LeBron did not look good. He was just taking spot-up three-point shots and he was getting bullied on defense, obviously. He made some plays in the fourth quarter, obviously. But his energy level just wasn't there, and obviously his, I think his foot is bothering him. So if he's having to play 35 to 40 minutes a game against Dylan Brooks, especially in the first round, that might wear him down, you know, come time where he has to play against... I mean, the second round shouldn't be too hard for him anyway because he's playing against, um, you know, more fast, uh, less bully ball type of team, whether it's Sacramento or Golden State. But he's going to come out of this series scarred, even if it is like a sweep. Because Dylan Brooks is going to beat him up. That's right. You show some respect to the Sacramento Kings. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say Dylan Brooks. I think Josh was going to try <laughs> no. to stab you across the screen or leave the call. Yeah, I would have thrown <laughs> up on the podcast. No, no, no. You don't need to show any respect to Dylan Brooks. Not to a dude who perms his hair for the last game of the season. We're good. Man, poor Memphis, man. So yeah. many injured players. That's a damn shame. Yeah. A lot of self-inflicted wounds no pun intended like no uh they shot themselves in the foot but uh i think also they've uh had some bad luck as well and getting the lakers wasn't going to be an easy matchup no matter what dylan brooks wants to believe <laughs> all right let's move on then um i mean the other i mean the most captivating series second most captivating series in the west has to be the phoenix suns against the la clippers right no? That, Raj, you that, seem a little skeptical here. I think this is the second best. The Golden State Sacramento is the most captivating, I would argue. All right, fine. Well, we're recording on Monday night, and uh, we're not going to talk about this series before Game 2 airs, so you know we're not doing that. But we can talk about how Kawhi Leonard just reminded literally everybody that uh, he's a pretty damn good player when he's healthy. And if Kawhi has to play up to like 40 minutes a game... It seems that he can sort of get up to that challenge at this point, right? He dropped 38 points against the Suns, and where am I looking here? 38-5-5 on 42 minutes. 13-24 of shooting, 9-10 of from the line, automatic Kawhi as always. And he sort of just reminded us that Kawhi covering Kevin Durant is a bad MFer. That's it. Down the stretch of of the Suns game, we saw a lot of Chris Paul and DeAndre and PNRs. We saw a lot of Kevin Durant just hanging out in the corner, not not really sure like if he should be taking over, if he should chill, if he should just look like hope that a look is gonna come to him. And every step of that way, Kawhi Leonard was just hanging out there waiting for it. Every time KD got the ball, you saw Kawhi just hounding him. It was pretty damn impressive. That's all I can really say. This this Kawhi like a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Ooh, baby. I can understand why you load manage over the year, Josh. Yeah, he's the one guy in the NBA that you just have to be fearful of via the other team in the playoffs because he just takes it to a whole other level when he is healthy. Um, but let's just be honest here. That game was lost by Monty Williams. I know I went over this in the chat, but the fact that he has four really good players, two elite players, you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, obviously, and you play 
a Devin Booker and bench lineup when you clearly do not trust your bench. He played 11 players in the game. And those lineups got killed twice. You would think after the first run in the first half, he wouldn't do it again. But he did it again. And they lost those minutes by a lot. And, you know, you think when Kawhi Leonard goes out of the game in the second half, that Phoenix would be able to make it up. But I think the Clippers actually extended the lead, or they were at least even, um, having Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell run the second unit, essentially. So, and just offensively, like the first half, Phoenix just couldn't figure it out despite having all this talent. Like, it just didn't make any sense. Like, if if Kawhi's going to do what he did against Kevin Durant in the fourth quarter, where he's just basically face-guarding him, like, use Kevin Durant as a screener to where Kawhi has to make a decision, right? Like, use him in the action with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, where Kawhi has to make a decision. If he leaves Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant can, like, roll the basket, pop out. And if he doesn't, then whoever is guarding the pick-and-roll ball handler, whether it's Devin Booker or Chris Paul, um, is going to be late. Like, they're going to be, you know, the guy on on Chris Paul's hip. And Chris Paul can take advantage of that, obviously. Um, so Monty Williams was the biggest reason why Phoenix lost that game. And DeAndre Ayton's a close second. <laughs> We're battling it out. Uh, I, again, I think the strength of, like you touched upon it, the strength of the Clippers is they actually do have quite a bit of depth in certain positions. Uh, and then that is the weakness of the Phoenix Suns. And to go... Even further with the Phoenix Suns, they really just haven't had a lot of games together. I think it was about 8-0 when Kevin Durant played. Um, and that's not many games in a new system, new teammates. Uh, and looking at the core group of superstars, Devin Booker has had hamstring issues for probably the majority of his career um, that have kind of niggled and naggled him for a few games here and there. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul is been injured, has injuries, uh, he's a bit older, you're always a bit concerned about playing him extended minutes. Kevin Durant in the past couple of years has had some serious injuries where he's missed extended periods of time. So it's hard for uh, Monty Williams to look at his top three guys and be comfortable probably playing them 36, 37, 38 minutes consistently night in and night out. And that's what's asked of you in the NBA playoffs, especially if you're in a close game. And I think the Clippers can do that to the Suns. I think we touched upon it on the last podcast. If they ended up playing together, I think their series are going to be really close games. They're, I think the Clippers are going to try to bring the scoring down below 110 and really try to make it slow the game down, avoid fast break, um, limit the number of possessions and that actually works in the Clippers favor and again Kawhi is he just bothered Devin Booker you can even if though he wasn't on him they there's a few altercations where you can clearly tell Devin Booker was frustrated he wasn't getting um, the looks he was used to he was getting crowded his handle wasn't as good he had a few bad turnovers and um, they have a lot of good players that they can put on Devin Booker and give him different looks, like they can put man on him, Norman Powell. Um, if you want to put like some, like again, Covington, I don't even think played much. Um, but you could put him on, like you just have so many different players that you can put um, on Devin Booker, and then you have Kawhi to help neutralize uh, Kevin Durant, and then you have Russ, who um, is a very physical guard. And if we know one thing, is Chris Paul isn't as physical as he was before. So uh, 
yeah, I think the Clippers can really push this Suns team. And this series, again, I, I picked I pick the Suns in six. It looks like it's going to go seven, and it's too early for me to go one way or the other now. I mean, I think most people had the Suns in six or seven, right? I don't think anyone had uh, the Suns in a sweep or anything. Like, so dominating. Because at the end of the day, you're still going against guys like Kawhi and Russell Westbrook, who... I mean, we, we, you know, let's be real here. We're not very fond of Russell Westbrook's game. We haven't been exactly the nicest to him. Unlike, you know, some Phoenix Suns fans who call him Westbrook, which is a, a whole nother thing. But, yo, he showed up. He, he wasn't, like, amazing. He wasn't great in the first three quarters. But when Kawhi was on the bench, when there was... So when the when the team needed someone to sort of organize things and sort of just give them life, give them energy, it was him and Terrence Mann. Are you serious? If he didn't make those I'm last two serious, plays, dude. we would be killing him in this podcast. He went no. three for 19. Come on, man. He did not show up. He made some good defensive plays throughout the game. Sure, he had some quality rebounds. He made the two biggest plays of the game. All right, He did not have a good game. Let's just be real here. Yeah, I don't think he had a good game, but I think he can do a few things that put them in better position to win the game. And uh, his athleticism on defense is something that can cause the Suns some problems. It, it caused the Suns some problems in one game. Let's just relax. It can, yeah, Josh, it can he's cause in their them, head. Yeah, he, he's living there. He's in their head. Look who he he's might going, be in your look head, at Josh. His history. He's a, look at his history with KD and with Chris Paul. He's in their head, Josh. It's okay to admit it. Yeah, we'll see when the Clippers lose in five or six. Chris Paul is going to try to draw another like 80-foot three-point foul again. Just watch. I just love how the narrative mm-hmm. is like completely changed from the course of the game where everyone is killing him for taking all these absolutely crazy shots. And he makes two big plays down the stretch and it's like, oh yeah, he played a great game. He kept the Clippers yeah. in it. Yeah, okay. Hey, that's that's sports, man. <laughs> you you do some incredible things and people forget about all your flaws. Yeah, but you can't say he had a good game. He yeah. did because of those last plays, because of how no, he played down the stretch. That's not how that works. I don't think he had a good game, but I think he, he helped did. them win the game. Right? So does like, Zubac. That, if that Zubac had a good game. game. Westbrook did not have a good game. Hold on. Uh, Sorry, unrelated to this, but yeah, Zubac or uh, Ty Lue just choosing to play Zubac and Plumley at one point or another during this game and just staying big the whole time. I like it. Hey, Plumlee I like it. was a plus showing, sixteen. Like, yeah, in seventeen minutes of action. And we talked about this during the season, right? Like Phoenix has zero bench. You can't really trust Bismack or Jock Landale. To be going against veterans like Plumlee. Like, Plumlee's not an amazing player or anything, but he's a veteran who knows what to do. He's a decent offensive player, and defensively, he's solid. Like, that's exactly what you want out of a big man. If if the Denver Nuggets had Mason Plumlee off the bench again, I would feel so much better about their title odds. You know what I mean? Like, he's a perfect kind of backup center. And uh, he somehow shot 78% shooting left-handed since he's been to the Clippers. Just... Give it up to the man. What, also, what do we think about Tory? What do we think about Tory Craig playing as a starter? I mean, well, who else are you going to play? Okogie? 
it doesn't really matter who you play between the two of them. I mean, you just ride whoever is having a better game, right? Yeah. He shot the ball well. Like, he was 9 for 12. Like, um, again, Josh pointed it out. The story of the game was bench depth. Um, No one, obviously Landry Shamit was the other guard that played significant minutes. But um, the Phoenix bench, Shamit was minus 14. Akogi was minus 10. Wainwright played six minutes, was minus 12. Bismack was five minutes, minus 11. Like, they were just unplayable. Um, and it, it's, Get it's sad. in the game, man. <laughs> like, what are yeah. we doing here? Why are we playing Ish Wainwright over Terrence Ross? Or well, Landry Terrence, over Terrence Ross played Ross. like four minutes and he fucked up like three defensive possessions. So let's just not talk about him. <laughs> but this goes back to <laughs> my mean, first point, right? Like, these guys were bad because of the lineups that they were in, right? Like, you got to put them in a position to actually succeed. And they're playing with Devin Booker, which is fine, but you need one other guy out there. So when Devin Booker gets trapped every time, you have another guy that can actually do something with the ball. And then these other guys can just play their roles and spot up or play in the dunker spot if you're Bismack Biombo or Jock Landale, right? So the lineup combinations were just stupid. And their offense didn't really click until the second half where they started to speed the game up a little bit, get their actions quicker, and started to trust each other a bit more. So I think the, the Suns are going to figure this out, ultimately. I, I don't think we should overreact to one game here. Um, is it going no, to six, overreact. seven? I still say Suns right. in five. five. Oh wow! So you're gonna they're wow. gentlemen sweep. Oh. Wow. Hey, I don't like this because I'm trying to watch the Clippers play the Suns next Thursday. So, oh, this guy's got a trip that we didn't even know about. Oh my! Have goodness. you bought tickets yet? Yeah, I, I hope you've bought tickets already because those tickets are going to cost a lot of money. Eh, I'll 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 go. You should go to Sacramento go Kings game. Ottawa Valley T. You gonna wear your Ottawa Valley jersey? To, you know, to you know it. Sick! Wow, what a what a happy note to end the segment on. <laughs> um, also, sorry, just one last thing. Kevin Durant played forty five minutes, and Devin Booker played forty three minutes. Both played more than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, like you can't play them much more. Like you have to play Ooh. your bench guys, and if you're playing them, if you play Chris Paul, uh, sorry, if you play Devin Booker and Kevin Durant forty minutes plus in the series that might go five, six, seven games, there's a good chance one of the big three will go down with an injury. I guess we should address this, but there have been a lot of uh, random injuries on Sunday, right? We're looking at, all right, we already talked about John Morant's injury, but we also had Giannis going down with a back issue. Tyler Hero broke, uh, I think, his middle finger in his right hand or two fingers in his right hand. He's out for four to six weeks. That's a lot of star... Well, mainly between Giannis and John Morant, but that's a lot of star power going down in the first weekend of the playoffs. And we almost had an Anthony Davis injury. I mean, we, we have that we scare have basically every Davis. game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have that scare every game. Thankfully, he came back from his stinger. I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about it for like a good month last year when Jason Tatum went down with his stinger, right, Raj? But... I mean, there's just a lot of injuries. I, I don't know if uh, this whole load management thing is going to help with the random freak injuries like these. Yeah, like uh, injuries are obviously part of the game. Uh, there are some injuries you can try to avoid. Obviously, soft tissue injuries, non-contact ones are the ones that you really try to avoid. The contact ones are just kind of bang-bang plays. Um, and it seems like all of the players that did get injured were a bit more of those just bad luck and 
everyone wants to see the stars play. You play, what, 82 games, the stars play 60 of them. Um, you wait seven months in a regular season to play these meaningful games. And um, when you see star players go down, it, it kind of takes away from the excitement. Like we're kind of talking about the Lakers Memphis series, like it's a funeral already um, for their, their season. Um, I, I do expect Giannis to come back. Definitely, probably not def- definitely by game four. I would be surprised if he doesn't play uh, game three. Um, but it was a, I believe an SI joint or a sacrum uh, injury, like his tailbone. He had a contusion. Um, definitely won't be a hundred percent. But uh, knowing Giannis and knowing how much he means to that team, they can't afford going down 2-0 on the road in Miami. Because uh, then they might end up in a situation where they're down 3-1 coming back to Milwaukee when Giannis is feeling 100%. So I expect them to play. And if the Bucks can play the, the way they normally can, I think they don't even need to have him play 35 minutes a game. I think they like would win this series play. regardless, to be honest. I mean, I don't even think it matters if they went down 2 nothing because Miami, A, doesn't have enough around Jimmy Butler now with Tyler Hero out. I don't think they win another game in this series, to be honest. And then, you know, playing in Miami, you're playing, you know, in an empty arena. So it's not like you're really on the road in that case anyway. <laughs> like, they have the worst fan base in professional sports. It's pathetic. Like, did you That's see their stands in the playing games? It was pathetic. There was like It was like half full. Like, way to support your team. Yeah, but you've been to Miami. There's better things to do. Yeah, but... It's it's the playoffs. Like at least show up. Like most of the time they show up late, which is totally understandable. It's Miami. I get it. But they didn't even show up for the games. Like it was half full there. It was crazy. It's probably because half the city lost their money to FTX. <laughs> I saw that uh, Shaq got served with a lawsuit today with that. Oh. They were tr- oh. <laughs> apparently they were trying to find him for the last couple months. It's like. The guy's on TNT. Ooh, just wait outside the door yeah. when he leaves. You know, like what the- yeah. <laughs> just hang out. Just hang out outside the door. Yeah, he's the one who says he drives a Kia, but doesn't actually drive a Kia. He can't fit in a Kia. Oh, That's like Yao Ming fitting he in a small can. car. Yeah, no. Yeah, but again, injuries suck. Like these aren't injuries that you blame players for. You can maybe blame playing styles a little. Like you're putting yourself in those positions, but um, this isn't poor management of an injury this isn't the player came back too soon from an injury this is just bang bang play someone fell awkwardly you fell on the wrong part couldn't break your fall like just unfortunate all happened at once and unfortunate happened to the big players but no one likes injuries and hopefully they come back all healthy whether it's this year and this playoff series some point later in the playoffs or next year well, the plays were somewhat similar, though, and there's been a lot of talk about banning the charge, which I understand, but I don't think you can do that. But they do have to find a way to to limit that happening. Something, you know, I like. I would prefer it's out of the game. Obviously, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but they need to find a way. So these athletes, like they did it for the fast breaks, right? Like they got rid of um, guys taking take fouls, right? And they made the game more exciting this year. There's more scoring. There's more opportunities for guys, like really athletic players, to do what they do at the basket, which is what everyone really wants to see, right? Like not everyone wants to see 53-point shots a game, right? So when these guys go to the rim, this is what we want to see. We want to see the best athletes in the world competing in midair. 
right? You don't want to see Kyle Lowry sliding in and undercutting somebody, drawing a charge? I mean, Anthony Davis did this to John Moran. We want to see Anthony Davis block a shot. Like, Anthony Davis had seven blocks in that game. Why not go up and try to block that shot? He's scared. <sighs> That's why. The mentality yeah, around he, it, he, like the coaching around it is just, it's wrong. Yeah, but but the argument is then players will actually jump at players knowing, like, there's no way that they can draw an offensive foul, right? And they would try to go yeah. through players. But like again, it doesn't it doesn't eliminate the the actual interaction. Like obviously, there's more incentive if the charging foul, like drawing a charge, is an option. But I think a lot of players will look at it as an opportunity. Like the offensive player will look at it as an opportunity where they can just start running over the defensive player. And you're going to say, oh, well, okay. But then you're running into the same situations where there'll be a player trying to go through the defensive player and that could still lead to injury for the defensive player. Like, I don't, I don't think how switching the rules of the game will impact the frequency. Like, there aren't that many plays in a game where you're like, oh, yep, that was their trying to draw a charge here. Maybe four or five, six a game. Like a clear attempt to draw a but charge, that's a, but that's a lot though. And yeah, but you're that some of these guys get so high, like it's it's more dangerous than me trying to just run over somebody. No, it, like we can't say that though. Like the data's not there though. Like we can't say that. Like if if there, if you knew there was a guy standing like more than three feet away from the basket, like outside the restricted zone, and you just knew he was standing there, and let's say a player like Ant goes. He's going to try to go right through that player even before he gets there, right? Knowing that there's no way there's an offensive foul. Like, he's going to put himself in more risky situations knowing that there's no harm. Like, there's no possibility of drawing an offensive foul. And players can still stand there. It just won't be a foul. Or hear me out. The defensive player could actually make a play on the ball, right? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, like, players adjust, right? So, say the charge was not even a thing, and then somebody attempted to do that, and that was the first time you saw the player doing that. You'd be like, basketball is a motion game, and you're standing still waiting for somebody to jump or run into you. What are you doing, right? If we just took this out of the game, I think players would adjust pretty quickly. But I... I, I okay, well, we'll save this for the post or when the season's over. But I, I still think it won't necessarily reduce the number of injuries. Like, these are just, like, I, I don't think either one of these plays with Giannis or with um, John Morant were strictly because they were trying to jar at the charge. It was just a player going towards the rim, and they were contacted. Again, if they were challenged at the rim... Like, there doesn't take much force if you're trying to block a shot, right? To lose your ability to land properly, and then you're landing on your side, you're landing on your elbow if you're contesting more shots. Like, it, I don't think it's necessarily gonna clearly have less. Like, I understand the take fouls. You remove that, there's just gonna be more fast break opportunities. That's like a clear. I just don't know if re removing charges is gonna necessarily mean that there's less injuries. Because of this. Or maybe just disincentivizing it, right? Just not calling those um, offensive fouls. 
Like, they just have to do something to where this just doesn't happen. I don't agree with you that the John Moran play, I think that could have been avoided if Anthony Davis actually made a play on the ball. Because I think John Moran's used to going up against guys that were, you know, that are trying to block his shot. And he lands in a certain way. That play, he got undercut because of how high he jumps. Right? So I think if Anthony Davis just made a play on the ball, like, John Moran's used to that. He would land the same way he always does. But he wasn't he wasn't careful in that either, so it is partly his fault, obviously, like you mentioned. But we want to like see he players... He tried to go through Anthony Davis. Like, he might have got up before Anthony Davis could have. Right? Like, again, like, if he was to do that countless times, like, he's an explosive player. He went up before, and his if your takeoff is faster than the defensive players, and you jump higher, there's always going to be some contact... Right. And especially if you're challenging at the rim, like if he went and he got rejected at the rim, there's a chance he could fall backwards by a force. And then we're in the same situation. And then you're going to say, oh, no, we need to have less contests at the rim. We have to give the defensive player an opportunity to challenge. I'm all for contesting at the rim for sure. But he didn't (laughs) contest. He just stood there. Like, yeah, I think (laughs) what are we doing? I think there's a clear difference between guys who are like just standing there and get hit like, drawing a charge, and guys who, like, slide in just before the player's leaving the air, like, leaving the floor, or guys who slide in as the players are in the air. Like, it's different when you're actually undercutting somebody as opposed to just standing there or, like, trying to draw, like, a regular charge. Yeah, but, but, but listen to the idea of the charge. The charge is you are standing in a place and a player runs into you and through you. That should be a foul. You're allowed to stand in a space. A player shouldn't have the right to go through you. Yeah, but the play shouldn't yeah, be to know, just stand there, right? Basketball is a motion game. You shouldn't be incentivized to stand in a spot. That's my it opinion. It isn't, but you're not. You're, you're, well, you're, but that's you're, also not true. That's yeah, not but like... The corner if, threes that you're seeing in the world. No. Yeah, exactly. And and I disagree with that, Josh. Like, if you're a defensive player, you can stand wherever you want. And if that's the way that you're preventing a player to get to the rim, great. What the problem is, is these players who took the were trying to take the charge didn't do it properly maybe the punishment should be more right maybe it should be like a flagrant too if you can't get the charge properly and then you'd think that twice I agree with. that i agree with yes like punish people for making it more dangerous for the offensive player not making a national basketball play because theoretically a charge is the same thing as a shooting foul where you made a genuine attempt to win, like, to challenge, contest the shot. Maybe it should be an automatic, if a, like a block, a, a, a blocking call, like, and then you're going to run into huge situations while the player's in the air versus turning the corner, like a blocking call. Like, again, there's just too much things to discuss and there's just so much basketball to watch. So let's just skip through this. Okay, one last question on this topic. Is it more infuriating when you're playing pickup and someone calls a charge or when someone calls a backcourt violation? Has either ever happened? <laughs> oh, I've come into well, both, court. man. Yeah, a, a, a charge is, I think, just ridiculous because personally, I, I get more upset because like, a, oftentimes it's like a bang-bang play and if you're calling it, Right, you're obviously going to call it for your own, like, <laughs> your own favor. Compared to a backcourt violation where you see the ball, like the ball clearly went in the backcourt and you established the rules before, right? Are we playing with 
backcourt, yes or no. Compared to a charge, like there's no replays here. Like half the players don't even see what where was he sliding, right? Like, it, and you need an objective ref to at least call a charge. I, like everyone knows when the ball's out of bounds. Everyone knows when it's backcourt. Come on. I think if you're playing pickup, though, the loose ball foul guy is the worst. It's only happened a few times to me, but like the fact that somebody calls a loose ball foul and like a box out, like come on, man. No. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I mean, I still think the charge is the worst guy, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, somebody Chargers called a backcourt violation on me like two weeks ago. And I was like, yo, are you serious? Are we? It's like a Saturday morning run at a community center. What are you doing? <laughs> so upsetting. I can imagine. So upsetting. Yeah, I lost my shit, man. Josh, give me some stats corner. Absolutely. So I'm going to give you some quick hitters first, and then we'll get into the, uh, I guess, the trivia side of things. Uh, so in terms of quick hitters, players who provided the most offensive pressure on ball handlers this year per NBA tracking data. Can you guess number, I can just guess any of them. You can both get one guess, and we'll see if you can get them. So who are the best uh, defensive players in terms of providing ball pressure on the ball? Like total amount of time or per 48 minutes? Like what? I guess it's both. I think it's a combined stat where they provide the most offensive okay. pressure um, in terms of time and on the ball. Okay, Give Drew the... Holiday. Surprisingly, no. Give me the Caruso. Also not on the list. Though Drew Holiday's teammate is number one. Can you name oh, that guy? Okay. Small guard. Grayson Allen? No, come on, man. Javon Carter. There you go, Javon Carter. And then Sacramento. Let's see if you can get it. Davion. There you go. Davion Mitchell. Number three was Cole Anthony. Number four, Jade McDaniels. Number five, Andrew Nemhard. Shout out to the Canadians. Wow. Wow, yeah. Why why aren't we getting hints for the... We could have guessed all those guys. Mm. (laughs) Indiana rookie. Uh, got, uh, uh, backup garden in Orlando, and I don't remember who the last one was. Um, Canadian. <laughs> so we'll get into some trivia now. The 2022-2023 NBA Ironmen. So these were the guys that played 82 games this season. Uh, on my list, I have 10 of them. Let's see how many you can name. I just want to make a correction before you even say it. There was a player that played 83 games, and that was Mikhail Bridges. Correct. Even though his last game should not have counted, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) But he played 83. He did. Fine. Very well. All right. So guys who played all 82, eh? You have one already. In in this day and age, guys play 82? Wow. If you each miss two, I'm going to name the teams, and then you can guess the player. Wow. Uh, this is tough. Jalen Green. No, but his teammate Flax. is on the list. Two of them, actually. Two. Hardaway Jr.? Uh, no. Wait, okay. Oh, Jalen uh, Green. Okay, I was thinking of someone else. I was thinking of Josh. Yeah. 
on Houston, eh? K. Martin mm-hmm. Jr. is he there? He is. Twenty-eight minutes per game, eighty-two games played. He's good. Young K. Martin Jr. Man, he's he's got potential. He's all right. It's gonna be nice. And uh, Sagan? Nope. Rookie. Jabari, let's go. Tari Eason. 22 minutes oh, a game and 82 games. <laughs> How much? 22, 22 minutes a game. game. Tari Eason, wow. Okay. My bad. You might need some hints for this one, honestly. <laughs> yeah, these are tough. Did Dory Finney-Smith play 82? I don't believe so. No, he missed him in Dallas at the beginning of the year. Ooh. Uh, let me think, man. It's even hard just thinking of like just teams in general. I'm just yeah. I'm uh. I feel like there's a uh, did no Aaron Gordon missed some games. Yeah. Who was the healthiest playoff team throughout the season? Sacktown. Mm-hmm. Who are we looking at? Herder? No, Herder is a sad. No, games. no. Fox, Fox missed games. It's a bonus yeah. miss a few games. You're getting oh, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. There you go. Harrison Barnes, 33 That's minutes a nice. game. 82 games wow. played. Good for him. Black Falcon. Uh, Black Falcon. Uh, All right, give us the next team. Chicago. Chi-Town. Oh, Vucevic. Correct. Thirty-four yeah, minutes yeah, a game. I remember eighty-two games. His played. first time playing all eighty-two. He wanted to make sure that he played that last game. Mm-hmm. Good for him, man. I like that. And we have the team that played against the Sacramento Kings in Game One of the playoffs, and is questionable or was questionable going into this game. Oh, Jordan Poole. Correct. Jordan mm-hmm. Poole, thirty minutes a game. And you have what is probably considered to be the best team in the NBA right now. The Boston Celtics. Al Horford? Nope. He didn't play in any back-to-backs. Derek White. Correct. Derek White. 28 minutes a game. And then you have the Chicago Bulls once again. Wow. Billy Donovan making them work. I thought they going to say yeah, Billy Donovan seriously. for a second. <laughs> Col- <laughs> Kobe White? Nope. Not Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams, 28 minutes a game. Man, I'm shooting like Russ Westbrook. (laughs) Westbrick. Thank you very much. My apologies. Don't let him hear you say that. Golden State (laughs) Iron Man or other Iron Man. Golden State. Correct. 24 minutes a game. Hmm. And then you have a big man from the East. Their team is up one nothing in their series, and we decided not to talk about their series on this podcast. A big for that team? Mitchell Robinson. <gasps> Mitchell Ro- you think Mitchell Robinson was healthy? <laughs> I didn't think that, but we didn't talk what about the, the series. Whoa. Uh, Hartenstein. You're on the right track, Raj. 20 minutes a game, 82 games played. Isaiah <laughs> Hartenstein. Mitchell Robinson. Come on, man. This guy misses more games than Kawhi does. 
Jesus. If you'd like, I have one more. It should be a quicker one. Yeah, let's do it. Let let Raj get some some pride back here. <laughs> some, please. Who are the most efficient ball handlers, pick and roll ball handlers in the NBA with minimum five possessions a game? This is in terms of effective field goal percentage. So the most efficient NBA pick and roll ball handlers this season. For effective field goal. Not, Which uh, basically just means the most that. efficient. Yeah, yeah. In shooting, though, uh, give me give me Darius Garland. Nope, not on the list in terms of the top five. I don't know anything about efficient players, man. Give me Steph. Number one, sixty-two percent effective field goal percentage. Easy, Darius Garland. <laughs> Okay. That's the first guy. Devin Booker. Uh, no, not a top five. Is uh, Jimmy Butler in this list? Nope. No, my God. Most of these guys are like high volume three point shooters because that gets your effective field goal percentage up. Besides Mm -hmm. one guy. Mm -hmm. But he's also been pretty good. Dame. Yes. Dame is number four, 57%. Kevin Herder. Oh, Oh my God. He's a handoff guy. The other Kevin of Durant variety. Nope. Kyrie? Nope. Hmm. Want some hints? How about... No, go, go, go for hints. Uh, Garland's teammate. <laughs> O'Donovan. There you go. 60%. <laughs> and then you have a team that decided to tank out of the playoffs. You mean Dallas? No way, it's Luka. Luka. 59%. No way. He's, he's a great pick and roll efficient. player. Come on. He is, but he's not that efficient. He shoots like 50% from the guy. field, man. Come on now. Yeah, off of like post ups. <laughs> He's the roll guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have what many consider to be the best team in the NBA, probably the second best team in the NBA right now. Jason Drew? Tatum? Drew Holiday. 56%. I like Drew, man. Good for Drew guy. Holiday. Drew's going to retire, and people are going to be like, wow, what a career for like two hours. He's so underrated, and then they'll just continue to underrate him. Pretty much. Kind of like Mike Conley. But much better, I would... Not much better, just better. Yeah, better player, but, you know, kind of like a Mike Conley type of career so far. Anyways, yeah. uh, good stats, Josh. I like it. I just like beating Raj's ass down. As I don't get big wins it. anymore. As usual. <laughs> I gotta milk it. <laughs> Let's just stop the pod now, please. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting right, a bit well, too sexual. Yeah. Oh, we can call it here, man. It's ten thirty. We gotta go watch this this upcoming Sacramento Kings W. Oh yes, Josh. I said a Sacramento Kings W in game two. I'm predicting it three minutes before tip off. We'll see if you're like Barkley or not, where you just jinx the team that you're rooting for. I mean, there's a really high likelihood of it. I, I'm that's usually how it goes. But in any case, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. 
We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all your major podcast platforms. You can find us on all the social networks. I'm talking Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. We're there. We're everywhere. And until next time, peace. Peace.